0: Welcome back to the program. I'm going to begin by reading from Psalm 102. I may not actually get to talk much about this passage um, today, but I will by tomorrow. And it is from Tuesday, Office of Readings, week four. Okay, for those of you that are following along, (laughs) if you pray the Liturgy of the Hours, you know there's a four-week cycle in the Office of Readings as uh, three psalms, as the certain key hours do. And um, the psalm, the antiphon for this psalm is, Lord, let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read just a bit of it, okay? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. O oh Lord, listen to my prayer, and let my cry for help reach you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress, Turn your ear towards me and answer me quickly when I call. For my days are vanishing like smoke. My bones burn away like a fire. My heart is withered like the grass. I forget to eat my bread. I cry with all my strength and my skin clings to my bones. I've become like a pelican in the wilderness, like an owl in desolate places. I lie awake and I moan like some lonely bird on a roof. All day long my foes revile me. Those who hate me use my name as a curse. The bread I eat is ashes. My drink is mingled with tears. In your anger, Lord, in your fury, you have lifted me up and thrown me down. My days are like a passing shadow, and I wither away like the grass. Let us pray. Lord our God, I thank you for your word, and I pray that your word would take root in our hearts, that it would bear fruit in our lives, that your word would be a living word, and that word would be a word of life for us and for the members of the body of Christ for whom that psalm is a reality today. Lord, give me intercessory solidarity with those for whom Psalm 102 is there right now, that that's what they're encountering right now. Lord, give me the grace to not be apathetic or indifferent to the cries of those who suffer so greatly in the body of Christ and in the world. And I make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, talking about being an intercessor, it it's part of that call that is ours. We, we share in Christ's ministry as priest, prophet, and king. We were anointed in baptism, and there were three categories of people anointed in the Old Testament, priest, prophets, and kings. The church's teaching on baptism is that we are united into Christ. We are drawn into the reality of Jesus' divine life as the Son of God. And we become children of God, recreated, such that he lives in us. His Spirit is alive in us, conforming us to himself, and he will show up in this world as priest, prophet, and king. And as priest, Christ is the great intercessor, the go-between, who brings God to us and brings us to God, especially He's bringing us at those points in our lives where we are broken, where we are stuck, where we are lost, where we are afraid, where we are overwhelmed, where we, in the words of Psalm 102, are experiencing my bones burn away like a fire. My heart is withered like the grass. I forget to eat my bread. I cry out with all my strength and my skin clings to my bones. I lie awake and I moan like some lonely bird on a roof. That's the word of God. And there are members of the body of Christ, members of our own community of faith, for whom that is their reality. And the mystery of prayer, the mystery of being an intercessor, is that we are given what to pray. We are given in the Liturgy of the Hours, the Psalms to pray. We don't get to go to the front and choose from the table of contents certain personal states of being, personal conditions, and then we flip to that page and we pray that word of God. No, there are members in the body of Christ for whom that is a reality. And even when we do so and we pray that Psalm in the comfort of our own homes, sitting in a warm room on a comfortable chair and uh, drinking a, a, a sipping a cup of coffee and things are going quite well for us in life in our families and in the circumstances of things that we're playing are not disturbed or disturbing and yet we pray that we are given that to pray we're given that to pray because we are given a share in the spiritual condition the personal reality of other members of the body of christ And I don't think we're always aware of that. But if you pray the Liturgy of the Hours, it's the prayer of the Church. And so we are to be drawn into, I use the word solidarity. Praying a psalm like this, it would be compassion. Compassion. We suffer with. We suffer with. On Friday night, Carrie and I dropped off uh, our kiddos at... Um, a friend's house from school and we were invited in to visit with the with the couple a really neat couple we we've enjoyed them and haven't had a chance to get to know them so much so they hey they invited us in and we came in and we were sitting down and it was a warm uh, lovely home they offered us some homemade soup which was very good Uh, a glass of wine I think I had some beer and we're chit-chatting and there was a a neighbor of theirs, who was also at table with us. And they had made a sort of divine appointment kind of connection with him through his wife. Um, On a plane ride home, they were coming uh, together and happened to sit next to each other. The wives did. And in this instance, the husband was there. And uh, we were talking about stuff. And you know from from the face of it, from the surface, you know it's a kind of a nice guy and articulate and just talking about stuff and and then we ended up floating into sort of God questions and spiritual matters and and they sort of interrupted the conversation because of something I had shared, and they wanted me to become aware of. The personal situation of the man who was sitting across from me at the table that I had just met. And it was something that I would never have known in just the ordinary course of things, but the conversation started floating into like more personal, deeper matters involving God and life, and in this instance, life and death. And They said, you know, Tom. Before we continue, it might be good for you and Kerry to know a little bit more about what this man has gone through in the last year. And he began to share the story of one of these tragic happenings that you obviously hear about, and we we can hear about them in sort of social media, and they just remain at. uh, as something that's sad, but then you click on to the next post, you just swipe forward and go on to the next thing, and, and it remains a, um, it, it remains something at a safe distance to us. And there's just a momentary, wow, that's a really sad thing, and then you move on. Well, this man began to share about just the the tragedy of a um, a family car ride that ended tragically in a horrible accident, which uh, left one of his daughters uh, dead. And he began to share about this story. And it, it changed everything in the conversation, because now there was a hidden pain, a hidden suffering, a hidden tragedy that had not only just come out into the open as information, but it was personal it was personal you could see it in his eyes you could hear it in his voice you could see it in his just demeanor and in his very sharing this man not only had suffered but was suffering and we were we were in the in the mystery of God's plan brought into closeness with this man at the place of his suffering and so we listened and what do you say to someone in that kind of circumstance and there's no there's no like magic formula but the attitude to convey the presence to convey is one of compassion i am here with you in your place of suffering not as someone who has an answer, but as someone who is simply present to you, here with you as you're suffering. And it was, uh, it was uh, just, it was a God moment. And he We had a chance to listen and receive him and receive what he had to to share. And as he gave us permission, we just offered little words of of compassion and um, some other words that uh, offered a, a a Catholic perspective on um, his situation. Um he was Catholic. And in the end, we prayed with him, prayed with him for the Lord to come and minister to him at the place of his deep wound and and suffering, and to be able to give him now, you know, uh, it was over a year later, a sense of awareness of the presence of the Lord, uh, the presence of his daughter with the Lord. That's intercession, Intercession, the capacity to be present to others who are suffering through your prayer. Even when you're not someone who's saying, I have an answer, I have an explanation, let me put it into perspective for you. That's not the heart of the intercessor, first, second, third, or fourth. The heart of the intercessor is one who says, I will be with you. I will stand here with you and I will lift you and your entire situation before the Lord. For this suffering is not something that I will simply allow to be at a distance. I share that because over the weekend, I also learned on social media about one of those stories of a tragic loss, unexpected, just one of the horrors of you know parents' nightmares, of the loss of a beautiful, sweet young lady uh, at college in a car accident. From the local community here, a beautiful Catholic family, um, and a generation of beautiful Catholic families, and uh, it, it's it, it just evokes in me nothing but compassion, and a. Desire and longing to lift them before the Lord and to lift their beautiful daughter before the Lord for that sense of comfort and consolation, knowing that as unexpected and tragic as this was and is, the Lord was not caught off guard. The Lord was not caught off guard. And that he will surround He'll encompass this entire tragedy with mercy, with a sense of his suffering presence. And so I do, I do ask if you would pray for this sweet young lady, Bridget, uh, just, a, just a, a, a mere young lady, I, I believe a sophomore in college, uh, 20 years old, uh, just to pray for her, pray for the repose of her soul. Pray for her sweet parents and uh, the the wider family that is just suffering terribly uh, in faith, but terribly. And to surround them with prayers as they walk the mysterious path of the cross right now, which. Just points to us the the desperate need we have of the light of the resurrection to shine forth upon a world still marked by the tragedy that Christ bore upon the cross and that touches our lives. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. And today I'm not just talking about the idea of interceding, but I'm going to pray right now for um, this uh, sweet dear soul, Bridget, and her and her uh, mom and dad and family, and uh, in, in just the mystery of the body of Christ that we can carry each other uh, in into the heart of the Lord, and it's the heart of the Lord that becomes manifest when we intercede, and. As I pray for them in, in the midst of their time of, of Good Friday, in the midst of their darkness, that um, I know there are others that are not known to me who are also in the midst of a time of great crisis, a time of great suffering, a time of Psalm 102, right? A time of, Lord, listen to my prayer, let my cry. For help reach you, don't hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Turn your ear towards me and answer me quickly when I call. For my days are vanishing like smoke. My bones burn away like a fire. My heart is withered like the grass. I forget to eat my bread. I cry with all my strength. and My skin clings to my bones. I lie awake and I moan like some lonely bird on a roof. The bread I eat is ashes. My drink is mingled with tears. That's the word of God. That's a living word. And for some, and for Bridget's mom and dad, uh, Maureen and Pat, that's a living word for them. That's a word for them. And I know that's a word for some of you as well in your own uh, place of of darkness and, and tragedy. And as the word of God breaks into those circumstances, the word of God is a word that says, I am with you. I am with you. The word becomes flesh in their lives. And so uh, it's, it's the word of, of Christ who comes alive. And it's something that we, we ought to remember. Uh, the, the catechism has so many powerful passages that bring this out into the open. I'm just going to read one of them, and then I'm going to pray. It's 2741, paragraph 2741. Jesus also prays for us in our place and on our behalf. All our petitions were gathered up once for all in his cry on the cross. And in his resurrection, heard by the Father. Okay, I want you to hear that. I want you to hear that. That Jesus, he is he's the one who's praying in us, for us. He's in our place. He's on our behalf. That's that priestly work of intercession. And that he has gathered up, once for all, all of our prayers in his cry on the cross. You know that you talk about the seven words, right? The seven words of the cross, right? The seven words that Jesus, the seven last words. But there was an eighth reality besides the words. And it was that inarticulate cry. The last thing that happens, the last thing that Jesus expresses on earth isn't a word. It's not one of those seven words. It's his inarticulate cry. And I want you to hear this. It's, this is 2606. He says, all the troubles for all time of humanity, and ens- enslaved by sin and death, all the petitions and intercessions of salvation history are summed up in this cry of the incarnate word, Here the Father accepts them, and beyond hope, all hope, answers them by raising his Son. And so, when we intercede, when we intercede, we are being drawn into the act of Christ on the cross, crying out his last groan, his moaning, his... Uh, his yielding of his very being to the Father. That's intercession. You think intercession is just saying a prayer. No, it is allowing Christ in that moment to be born in us and in our cry to God. It's expressed in the Liturgy of the Hours in Psalm 102 and in so many other psalms in the Office of Readings. But right now, I want you to join with me to pray for The repose of the soul of Bridget, for her mom and dad, Maureen and Pat, and for any other dear, sweet soul who is in a place of suffering, of loss, of unexpected tragedy hitting their lives. We can be those intercessors if we allow Christ to draw us into that moment where he's on the cross and we lift these dear, sweet souls to the Lord. And so let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' sweet and holy name, we come before you. And Father, we ask that your Spirit would move as a bringer of tender mercies, of divine comfort, of peace that surpasses all understanding. And Father, we come before you with our own hearts broken and broken open. And Father, we ask that you would once again allow that cry of Christ on the cross, that cry of your Son, to be drawn into the cries that we bring before you now. On behalf of Bridget, on behalf of her mom and dad and family, and all of her aunts and uncles and cousins and siblings and, and grandparents, all those who are mourning and groaning and suffering. And as we bring them before you, Father, your ocean of mercy is so immense and your encompassing tenderness is so infinite, we also plunge into that ocean. All of the other dear sweet ones who are part of our lives, who are living in our hearts, who are also in places of great darkness, who have experienced the immediacy of unexpected tragedies and who are in desperate need of your kindness, of your gentleness, of your sweetness, to wash over them, to be sown in them, to emerge in them. Lord, all of the desperate ones, all of the overwhelmed ones, all of those who are anxious and afraid. Jesus sweet Jesus, minister. Jesus minister through our prayers and and I, I give you permission Lord to uh, to come into our hearts uh, to come into my heart and uh, for anyone else listening just to, to make us intercessors who are open to that that kind of compassion, that kind of suffering with, even if it remains hidden and unknown to those whom we pray for. Give us that heart, the heart of the intercessor, Jesus, so that as we pray these these prayers now and we pray these prayers in the Liturgy of the Hours and when we go to Mass and we uh, are making our other spiritual acts, praying the rosary, that these dear ones would be called to mind and even if unknown to us, that our hearts would be open to being drawn into your heart for them, Lord, as you pray for them, as you stir us to join in that prayer. Minister to them, Lord. Grant them what they need, beyond what they could imagine. I pray, Lord, that the veil that separates heaven and earth, that it would thin. I pray that that awareness of the resurrection of resurrected life, of heavenly life, of the ultimate home that we're headed towards would be our great hope. That that would be our great hope, Lord. Lord, please do that for us. Do that for all of those that are caught in such painful darkness. Lord, be close. Be close with your divine presence that we would know that you are here. Lord, please grant us the grace of being faith-filled and faithful intercessors on behalf of those who suffer. Mother Mary, sweet Mother Mary and St. Joseph, pray for Pat and Maureen. Pray for parents who are suffering greatly in these days. I pray for that man that we were with last Friday continues to walk a path of deep woundedness and and pain over his loss. I do pray for the repose of the soul of his daughter, Riley, that she would also be resting safely in your hands and your heart forever, Lord. And I make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen you know when we think about this idea of being an intercessor i'm hoping that you're recognizing that if you are willing to say to the lord lord make of me an intercessor in this time lord i i i want that priestly anointing that is connected to my baptism lord let it grow in me you just might be drawn into a mission of intercession, a mission where there'll be an urge, there'll be a, uh, uh, something that comes from within you that you didn't discover before that is there, which is a, a need, a deep need to bring others before the Lord, to bring others before the Lord with great confidence. And I want you to hear paragraph 2741 again, because I didn't finish it, but it shows how the heart of an intercessor changes us who pray. It changes how we will live our lives. 2741 in the Catechism says that Jesus also prays for us in our place and on our behalf. And all our petitions were gathered up once for all in his cry on the cross and in his resurrection heard by the Father. This is why he never ceases to intercede for us with the Father. Okay, now listen. If our prayer is resolutely united with that of Jesus, in trust and boldness as children, we obtain All that we ask in his name, even more than any particular thing, the Holy Spirit himself, who contains all gifts. And so, if you are willing to say yes to this call to be an intercessor, you will change. You will be moved. Your heart will be different. I remember uh, years ago um, going to mass, and it was one of those masses where there was a traveling missionary coming to, um, you know, to give a homily, but in doing so, to also introduce his mission. In this instance, it was a priest, his mission, and a religious, his mission. And to do so in a way that would move you to write a check, to give something, to get involved. And, um, you know, how many times have we heard these sort of traveling missionaries and, you know, okay, well, well, we'll do something. We'll write a little check and then move on. Well, this particular missionary was from Peru. And his mission was to street kids. These were homeless young people. And and, and when you say kids, sometimes these kids were like toddlers, three years old, five years old, seven years old. And many of these kids literally had to, were left on the streets, had to run away, and were now, uh, they were abandoned, abandoned. They were abused. Many had to give themselves over to prostitution. And this priest talked about his mission and ministry to these kids. And many were moved. Many. It was, he was a powerful preacher. And it wasn't just that he was like, oh, He was a good rhetorician or, you know, knew how to tell a story. No, he was a witness. He was a witness to this mission. And it it was powerful. And, you know, some people gave money. um, And others, you know, it, it would just want to withdraw, you know, behind the busyness of our lives. It was like, can I just swipe this away and go on to the next thing? Can I just turn the channel and get on to some good news? Can I just keep this at a safe distance? And the answer is, many heard something that they could not unhear. I heard a word that I could not unhear. That's what happens to an intercessor. When we come back, I'm going to pick up on this theme by referencing a scripture that makes this apparent and draws out the implications. Welcome back to Sound and Sight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. My heart is heavy, um, but the theme is so very important. And it's the theme of becoming an intercessor and learning how uh, interceding for others will transform your heart in a way that will mark you for life, maybe. Mark in you a sense of mission, a sense of being sent, a sense of a call. And it's it's one that, if we're open to it, it can touch all of our lives. It's something that any one of us, each and all of us, can participate in. I mentioned before the break there was a scripture that very beautifully illustrates what I mean when I say that intercession changes the heart of the intercessor, and that you can sometimes hear a word that you cannot unhear, and the passage is from Romans chapter nine, verse one. St. Paul, right? St. Paul, he is talking about the the Jewish people, right? And so you know his great conversion from a Pharisee to this apostle to the Gentiles. And yet, as he attempts to fulfill that mission, what's happening to him? He's being pursued in so many of the communities where he goes to preach on these missionary journeys. He's being pursued by Jewish leaders who are more than calling him names, more than slandering, more than like chasing after him to try to somehow like tell him to stop. No, they are beating him, stoning him, at one point leaving him dead, attempting to imprison him, uh, attempting uh, attempting to kill him. Now I want you to listen to Romans chapter 9, verse 1. He says, I speak the truth in Christ. I do not lie. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that, and now he's going to go on and say what he's going to say, but I want you to just stop and hear that, right? He, he He's not just saying here the point that he's going to make. He's not just saying, hey, look, I want you to know that I really mean what I'm going to say. He, he doesn't just say in Romans 9, 1, he doesn't just say, look, everyone, Let me just be clear. I really mean this. Now, listen to it again. I speak the truth in Christ. I do not lie. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that, well, that what? There is great grief and constant pain in my heart. There is great grief and constant pain in my heart and listen listen to this like what is it that's causing him great grief and constant pain and even more than this 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 thing that that he is really wanting you to be sure that you know is really the case that's causing great grief and constant pain he says indeed i could even wish to be separated from christ This is the thing that is so painful and so much grief to him that he could even wish to be separated from Christ. Christ who is his life. Christ who is his everything. Christ for whom everything else is dung and garbage and worth nothing. He he would even be willing to be separated from Christ. Well, for what? For the sake of my brother's. My kinsmen the Israelites Wait a minute Paul who what your your concern, this grief, this pain that's constant, that's in your heart? Th- this is this is in there for for whom? For for the for these people that did what to you? Let's see let's see if we, we get this right. He said in Second Corinthians chapter 11, he said about himself, I am more with my many more labors and imprisonments, far worse beatings, and frequent brushes with death. Five times at the hands of the Jews, I received 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. I was stoned once, shipwrecked three times. I passed a day and a night on the sea. I travelled continually. Endangered by floods, robbers, my own people, the Gentiles, imperiled in the city, in the desert, at sea, by false brothers, enduring labor, hardships, many sleepless nights, and hunger, and thirst, and frequent fastings, and cold and nakedness, leaving other sufferings unmentioned. All of that. All of that that I just said. And... He has great grief and constant pain in his heart. He would even consider being separated from Christ for those people, the people who did all of that stuff to him. And yet he carries them in his heart to that extent. Why? Why would he be willing to undergo all of that and still have this heart for them? Well, it's because Christ's heart lives in him. It's not his own strength. It's Christ's heart that lives in him. He has said yes to the very sacred heart of Christ to come to be born in him. The ones who slaughtered Christ, Christ died to redeem. The very act which the uh, Longinus used to pierce the heart, the sacred heart of Christ caused that blood to flow onto him to wash him clean. That's the mystery of the love of the Lord. That the greatest, the most evil, darkest act in human history, which is the killing of Jesus, the innocent Son of God, the worst thing that history has ever seen, the worst evil in the history of humanity, that humanity ever produced, Was taken by the Lord was taken by the Father and turned into the most glorious work that he ever committed that he ever performed the worst act that we ever did the Lord took and turned into the greatest act he ever did he brought resurrection out of death and St. Paul lived this He lived this reality because his heart was drawn into union with Christ in the most sacred heart of Jesus, which is pictured as pierced, crowned, inflamed, and dripping with blood. That heart can live in us. You willing to be an intercessor? That's the heart that you're signing up for. That's the heart that will will change the world. It'll bear fruit. Are we sensitive to the sufferings in the heart of God? Are we sensitive to the sufferings in the heart of God? Because the heart of God is sensitive to our sufferings. Exodus chapter 3. Moses, drawn to the burning bush. And what does the Lord say after he reveals his name? I am who I am. I am present. I am with you. He says, I have heard their cries, their sufferings. I have seen their afflictions. And I'm sending you among them. Moses is going to become an intercessor. Moses, I have heard their cries. I have seen their sufferings and their afflictions. I've come to do something about it. And you know what? So will you. You will have their cries in your heart. Their afflictions will be in your eyes and in their ears. This is what it means to be an intercessor, a go-between. What act in the life of Jesus gathers together all of these intercessions? It's that inarticulate cry of Jesus Christ on the cross. When we think about letting the life of Christ come and be born in us, we don't normally think about that act. We can think about the acts of teaching, the acts of shepherding, the acts of leading, even even the act of suffering, of carrying a cross, of offering things up. But what about being drawn into That moment in the life of Christ where he groans to God in that final act on earth. What about being willing to be drawn into that moment? What about praying and saying, Lord, draw me into that? Make me an intercessor. The Lord needs intercessors like that to stand in the gap in the place of others on behalf of others. I do not lie. My, cons- my conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that the Lord wants to give even us great grief and constant pain in our hearts over our brothers and sisters alive today. More on this in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. You know, the um, I've talked about this idea that the act of an intercessor is, is a priestly act. It's the anointing of the priest, the priest uh, and, and supremely the bishop who shares in the priesthood of Christ in the fullness of ordination. The fullness of the sacrament of holy orders is lived by a bishop who is to, what? To govern, teach, and sanctify. Priest, prophet, and king, right? And, and as that priestly ministry, that go-between, they are called to raise up before our eyes this great ministry, this mission of not holding back, not settling for less, but being all in in, in the way that, that we can, in the way that we can to realize what's at stake right now and to say, Lord, if I can act, I'll act. But if I can't, I can still pray. I can still intercede. I will do that, Lord. I will intercede. And there is a beautiful example of this of a bishop speaking a message that is spoken as the heart of an intercessor who's raising up a challenge to us. And it's Bishop Joseph Strickland from Tyler, Texas. He released a tweet, at least it's called a tweet, though it's a lot longer than a tweet, so I'm <laughs> I haven't actually had it proven to me, but it's really cool. So I'm going to read it, and I want you to hear this powerful message as a, as a go-between message, as a message where he's speaking to us. And when I read this, I hear this as a clarion call that we're all, we can all consider in our own discernment how we're supposed to respond to it But I believe that there are many of you who have the capacity to respond to this message by becoming intercessors, intercessors the church desperately needs right now. So here's this message from Bishop Strickland Allow me to return to that Greek philosopher and the 90%. Heraclitus was a philosopher and a warrior. During a lull in the battle, he wrote a letter to the leaders of Athens regarding the soldiers he was receiving as replacements. He said that for every hundred men they sent, 90 were useless. They were little more than battlefield clutter. Out of the hundred, about 10 were fighters, and the outcome of the battle rested on their shoulders. And maybe one, only one, was a true warrior. The spiritual warfare is no less warfare, and I believe the percentages apply. The vast majority doesn't want to know the truth. They just want things to be nice, and the truth and the demands it would place on them as followers of Christ are unacceptable. I appreciate those who pray, but if that's all you do— Remember, it says in the Epistle of St. James that faith without works is dead and has no power to save you. I would ask those 90% to consider joining the warrior class. You are needed. If you cannot, then at least stay out of the way. The battle is tough enough without clutter. If you cannot fight this Goliath, at least stand back and make room for those who are going forward to sling their stones. The false charity and empty spirituality of those who mouth mouth pious platitudes over the broken bodies and souls of the innocent is an affront to the martyrs and missionaries who gave their lives to share the true faith. I have seen, up close and personal, the heart-rending results of allowing predators to destroy children, families, and faith. A drawing-room spirituality does not have the power to fight the malignant evil of this age. Delicate sensibilities must be sacrificed and hands dirtied, In favor of a cross centered faith. We are not fighting for principles or philosophies. We are fighting for souls, and we must not lose. That's really powerful. That um, was um, written by Bishop Strickland on Twitter back on the 18th of November. What we need today are those spiritual warriors. We need spiritual heroes willing to stand up and fight. And as spiritual warfare, remember now in the church's powerful vision of missionary activity, there are two patrons, right? There's St. Francis Xavier, who went, and there's St. Therese of Lisieux, who had the heart of the missionary, but she stayed hidden in prayer. And she was the spiritual engine for the Francis Xaviers. It's the powerful scripture that I had told last week of Moses high on the hill while while Joshua down in the battle fought against Amalek, the Amalekites. It was both that were needed. And so, Today, as, as there are those called onto the front lines, and I'm not afraid to be there. I know others who are not as well, but it's still too rare. It's too rare that there are those willing to discern what to say and then to stand up, speak out, and push back. There are too few willing to stand up and go first to go out first and to stand in the gap and to face the raging battle against the forces of mainstream media, the forces of the comfortable spiritual ones, yes, even in Catholic churches, yes, even in Catholic church leadership, who would compromise the teaching of the church in its fullness in order to go along and get along, but would do so in a clever way not in a way that would ever be identified as a betrayal of the faith, but as a very clever compromise of the faith. And we see it in so many matters. We see it in the silence or in the weak response of too many church leaders, too often in pressing matters of the day that rise to the level not only of general discourse and acceptance, but when it comes to legal uh, legal uh, permissibility and legal adoption, whether that was the legal acceptance of uh, physician-assisted suicide or of gay marriage or of gender ideology infecting school curricula. Uh, in so many instances, we need heroes willing to battle with the truth with truth in love with truth in love and not be coward cowered down because of being cowardly not being compromised and settling for less but being willing to stand up speak out go first and push back let's go And it seems to me that there'll be more souls willing to do that when there are more souls, a real army of souls, willing to pray and fast, to do penance, and to have the heart of the intercessor. There are not enough of us willing to pray Psalm 102 that I began with in this program and say, Lord, let that word come alive in me. Even though I'm comfortably praying from my couch and my warm cup of coffee in my safe neighborhood, in my nice environment, and my, all of my needs are taken care of right now, Lord, I'm willing to let that word come alive in me and let it actually somehow shape and mold my life. Lord, I'm willing to have solidarity with others through being sol- through having a spiritual solidarity with that word. Lord, make that word come alive in me. Make, let me become Psalm 102. You want to be an intercessor? Pray that you become Psalm 102, that Psalm 102 becomes real in your life, that Romans chapter 9, verse 1 and 2 would come alive in your life. You may not be like St. Paul in 2 Corinthians 11, facing the beatings, the persecutions, the imprisonments, uh, all of that, but you can you pray to be Romans 9, 1 and 2, that you would have great grief and constant pain in your heart? over the, the devastation, over the loss of that sense of uh, faith, uh, authentic faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God risen from the dead? Are you willing to do that? Come on, do you realize this? Like This is like the last week of the liturgical year, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. There are souls at stake. We've got one life to live and time is moving quickly. We don't know when our life on earth will end, but when we do go from this world to the Father, we want to be hearing in the end, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enjoy your master's reward. We want to put it all out there now. want to live lives worthy of the world to come. I'm at the end of my program. Thanks so much for listening. God bless your day. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.